0: We're several weeks into a new series called Life's Big Questions. And um, this has been a good series, I think. It's been, uh, it's been like, fun and interesting for me to dive into because we've been tackling topics that not just that Christians, not, not Christians are tackling, but really these are questions, we call this Life's Big Questions because we believe these are questions that everyone uh, across history Um, and from all different backgrounds have been asking questions like, where did I come from, and uh, what is my purpose? What does the good life look like? How do I have a good life? Last week Nick talked about, uh, is there such a thing as, or two weeks ago, we had Life Group Hangs last week. How was that? Yeah. Um, Two weeks ago he talked about if there was such a thing as morality, right and wrong. and. one reason that I love this question is because I believe, uh, and this actually, Pastor Dave said this on a Sunday, that the Bible actually thrives under investigation. As we look at life's big questions, we see that, that, the, that God's not trying to sidestep our big questions, that he really does have answers. And actually, um, he, he desires to, to speak into those questions. So tonight, I am talking about an easy one. It is, why does pain happen? I'm just kidding. It's not really very easy. This has been a difficult question for many people across time. Why does pain happen? Especially, uh, why does pain happen to good people? Uh, this is this is a number one reason that that non-believers will give for not following Jesus. Have you guys heard non-believers say this? Like, I can't follow God because um, why would He allow uh, this pain to happen to me or to someone or this potential pain to happen? Uh, and there's something uh, called the, the Epicurus trilemma, okay? So you've heard of a, a dilemma. This is a trilemma. This is, what, um, this is someone that it's credited to Epicure, Epicurism, but I think they say it could have been someone else. It's been around a long time. That's all I'm trying to say. This, this trilemma, that, and they state it like this God is all powerful, God is good, there is evil in the world. Pick two. And this trilemma that's presented, the, what they're saying is that God is either powerful and good, and, or then and there's no evil in the world, or, or they're saying um, that God is good and there's evil in the world, but he's not powerful enough to handle it. Okay? Or they're saying um, that God is powerful, there's evil in the world, and he just he, he isn't good. He doesn't want to deal with it. Okay, this is the dilemma that's presented by those who uh, don't walk with Christ. This has been around a long time. Um, and this is most humans' response that aren't Jesus followers. They, they say something along these lines. Uh, but, but the thing is, we as, as believers actually hold that these three things can all be possible at once. That although it's been presented as a, a trilemma, so to say, so to say, it, that it is actually possible um, can be true, we can, that God can, in fact, be all powerful, good, and that evil can exist in the world while he's both of those things. Um, and so we're going to be unpacking that a bit. How can we hold all three of these beliefs as Christians? And um, I want to start, one thing I want to talk about before we dive in here is, have you guys ever noticed that we have a really interesting relationship with pain, right? Like, uh, if we choose it, we're cool with it. Those of you that work out a lot know this, right? If you choose the pain, we're all about it. If you, maybe uh, for those of you leaders or seniors that have tattoos, you choose the pain like you're okay because you know you're gonna get a cool tat at the end, or um, like people that, this just is in my mind right now. I just had a baby girl like 11 days ago. People that choose to have a kid choose to go through pain, right? Yeah. Um, and Nick, Nick and Allison had their daughter just two days ago. So super excited. And I meant to put a picture on the screen and I failed you all. Um, but yeah, people that, choose, people that choose to have a kid choose to go through a lot of pain. Um, but it's one thing to choose it, right? If we choose it, we can deal with it. Those people that do um, marathons or uh, like people choose pain, um, like they're, they're good with it. Um, we're also uh, better with it if we feel like we deserve it, right? Like, yeah, you know what? Like, I had that coming. Like, I mistreated that person. They mistreated me back. I deserved it. I, I should have seen that coming. But here's when we really struggle uh, with pain. It's when it's out of nowhere, and it is unfair, um, we know this from a young age, right? Like little kids talk about fairness all the time. You see it, like on the playground. Um, you see it, like like we know from a young age intrinsically if something isn't fair. And this is the kind of pain um, that we really struggle with. Like when a person is living a moral, righteous, good life, and pain enters the scene. Uh, Dave talked about on Sunday how uh, how death and difficulty, um, like the serpent in the garden. It, we aren't told how the serpent gets there. And that's often how these things kind of creep in. They just, they happen. Sin and brokenness happen, especially when, it's on, when we, didn't des- we don't feel that we deserve it and we didn't choose it. It can be really hard to go through. Um, there's really uh, three different kinds of pain. One is, is uh, moral pain. This is pain that we bring on ourselves. Like, like I mentioned before, we make a bad decision and we reap the consequences. Uh, this is this is someone else's bad decision that causes us pain. Someone else does something wrong against us. Uh, there's natural pain, right? Like sickness um, and those those sorts of things. Those things that happen in the natural world. Um, and then there's also supernatural pain, like uh, spirits. We believe that there is an enemy that he doesn't want what's best for us, and that he causes pain in our life. Um, Satan or um, the the else uh, ha satan right like as scripture puts it like he's looking not for our best but he actually scripture says he prowls around like a lion looking to devour um, these are these are three different avenues in which we experience pain in our world and the truth is is that uh, every single one of us either have or will experience pain um, and some people. To, vari- to different varying degrees. So like, like honestly, there's some people in this room who've maybe gone through uh, young, like what always surprised me is that people can be so young and yet go through so much pain. So I recognize that in this room, even with young teenagers, that you guys have gone through pain um, that maybe like I couldn't imagine. And that, and that actually like, um, even though I'm older than you, you've just, you've been through it, right? This happens in our world, that people go through different varying degrees of pain. Um, Maybe some of you, uh, you've actually escaped a lot of pain in your life, like you've had it pretty good. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's not like, how dare you not go through pain? I think that's great. Um, But I think this is an important message for you because we will all encounter it. If not, if we haven't yet, and if we aren't encountering it now, we'll encounter it someday in the future. None of us can escape it. Um, And so now we're gonna dismiss into small groups. I'm just kidding. Um, Every one of us will experience pain, none of us escape it. Um, There will be a time in your life uh, where you'll ask, where is God? Um, Maybe it's the death of a loved one, or divorce of parents, or uh, abuse that comes from another person, or sickness uh, in your life, a, a bad diagnosis. Uh, or broken relationships, as I already mentioned, like divorce, or honestly, like your first heartbreak is a doozy. I'm not getting, even going to try to downplay that, right? That that is a big deal. Um, we go through pain, and we ask God, "Where were you, God? Where were you when I went through this thing?" Um, and and what about those that are serving Lord, serving the Lord, and they experience pain? Like they, they've given their life to Jesus, right? We, they're like, they're sold out for Christ and then something bad happens. Like sometimes we have a difficult time wrapping our minds around this. Why does this happen? This is what we call life outside of the Garden of Eden, right? We were, we were created to be in perfect relationship with God where things were, were right and there wasn't death and um, humanity died. Humanity, uh, sinned. We, we chose not to follow God. We chose instead to choose our own desires. And it caused sin and brokenness in the lives of one another. It caused sin and brokenness in our world. We've been reaping the benefits or the consequences ever since. But thankfully for us, we have um, a God who didn't just leave us in our mess. He sent his son to die for, it, to die for us, to take on the penalty that we deserved so that we could, again, um, have a, a hope moving forward. And so, Um, If you've never heard the gospel, that's it. It's that there's sin and death in the world, there's pain, and that one day, Revelation describes that we will have every tear wiped away, that all wrongs will be made right. And maybe you're even sitting in the room tonight thinking that 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 feels impossible. There's been moments in my life when people have said, hey, how hopeful are you in regards to that pain in your life? And I've said, 0%. And I I was speaking truthfully and honestly as a a Christ follower, Um, but I can say now, in retrospect, like I've seen God moving. I see hope and a future and it's provided by Christ Jesus. So life outside the garden is is the reason why death feels so weird. Like if we just take death for a moment, like a lot of people will say someone passes away, I hear this phrase a lot. Don't worry, they lived a long, healthy life. And my response is always, it still wasn't supposed to happen like this. This person, Even if they were 95 years old, lived a long, amazing life, had lots of grandkids, they were never meant to die. This is outside of God's design. Um, We weren't meant for death. We weren't meant for pain. And so tonight I want to open God's word. I want to to look at a story about a man who encountered a lot of pain. And I believe that God is trying to answer some of our our age-old questions regarding pain. It's found in the book of Job. Um, And Uh, And this is a story about a righteous man, right? I I just want to take a moment. It's not very long. I want to, Job is uh, 42 chapters long. And I just want to read chapter one because it really sets up the whole story. It'll give you the whole context for the entire story. It's about a righteous man who encounters a ton of pain. And a lot of the action happens just in chapter one. So I'm going to read chapter one and then we're going to talk a little bit about Job. Here we go. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There's a guy who lives in Uz, the land of Uz, named Job. Did you guys catch what he was? He was blameless and upright. Blameless. He feared God. He turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed "'7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, five yoke of oxen, five female donkeys, and very many servants, "'so that this man was the greatest "'of all the people of the East. "'His son used to go and hold a feast "'in the house of each one on his day, "'and they would send and invite three sister, their si- three sisters "'to eat and drink with them. They, "'When the days of feast had run their course, "'Job would send and consecrate them, "'and he would rise early in the morning, "'offer burnt offerings according to the number "'for all of them. "'For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So you have already at the beginning a man who's blameless and upright before God, and he is like he's like on his knees before the Lord for the sake of his kids every like every day. And then there's an interesting part in the story. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. So there's like a heavenly council in it in this story. And it says that Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord from, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So Satan says, Job is only upright. He only fears you because you've given him the hookup. And Satan says, all right, well, let me let me mess, let me mess everything up and god says go for it And so he goes and he messes things up. He says, just don't touch his body. And it says, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the sabins fell upon them and took them and struck them down the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, there came another. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck them down, the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, there came another, and he said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house, and behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I have come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And so um, there's probably lots of questions for you. What's this heavenly council? Satan and God are having a dialogue. God allows Satan to do this. Um, these, These are all valid questions. You may be even wondering, is Job a real person or is this story um, just a narrative? All valid, but I think what they're really trying to, to answer here is, um, is, is how do we respond when everything is taken away from us, right? Because here's a moment in the life of Job when all of his, um, all of his wealth, all of his uh, family, literally everything that he has is stripped from him and he's able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. How do we find ourselves um, able to say this? How do we get into a spot like Job where we're able to do this? This is incredible, this is a crazy story, right? I think that that we, like, even as we read the story, you may even feel like, I think I have some like, I think I have some issues with how God dealt with this. Here's a man who's upright, is like a family man, fears the Lord is serving him, and God allows this to happen. Um, and you, you, if you were, had an issue with that, you'd have a pretty good case, actually. I think, like, man, this just is frustrating. It seems so unfair. Um, but I think that there are many things that, that God wants to teach us through the book of Job. And so I want to talk to you guys about five lessons that I think we can find in this story. Sound good? Here's five lessons. Um, the first one is this. Pain and suffering reveal the nature of your relationship with God. When, when Job lost everything, all the things that God had given him, Job's response wasn't, was not, God, why didn't you hold up your end of the bargain? It was, blessed be the name of the Lord. In my life, I can think of many times, there's one in particular when I was a freshman in college, and I, I'm so sorry, I repeat this story a lot, but it's because it, I just was like in the wrong headspace, and I hope it's relatable. I was in college, I had gone through high school without doing a lot of the things that I thought were like um, non-Christian, right? I like didn't hang out with, I, I like didn't interact with, the, with girls very often, I was too awkward and so I didn't have issues there. I like didn't do drugs, I didn't drink, I tried my best not to cuss. Um, I got to college, right? I was worried about all these external things. I got to college and I really liked this girl, and I just prayed, God, I have, I have like followed you and missed out on a ton of fun stuff, in my mind, missed out on a ton of fun stuff because like, I was giving everything to you, and I've even given my college career to you, I've given my life to you, I'm going to Bible college, could you just please give me this girl as my girlfriend? Was, and this was like an honest conversation I was having, and I remember praying a lot, Lord, I've been faithful to you, Be faithful to me. The issue was is that I wasn't like entirely faithful. I had um, like lust and sin issues. I had internet use issues. I was dealing with, with my own stuff. I had hatred, a bunch of built up hatred in my life. And so even though I thought I was holding up my end of the bargain, I had actually fallen quite short. But I thought like, man, God, I've really like followed you. And so would you be, since I've been faithful to you, would you be faithful to me? And it didn't work out with that girl. And I remember being so mad at God saying like, This was the moment for me. That's why I said like first heartbreak is pretty hard. I remember saying like, why God, why? And it was a really rough situation, not to downplay it. Went to Montana, met her family. They didn't like me. We never talked again. And it was like a really awkward week um, over Christmas. It was like pretty bad. Um, But I just remember saying like, why God? I went home to the coffee shop Nick was working at. He's like, how was the trip? I was supposed to be dating this girl after Christmas and I burst into tears in front of all these people. It was a mess. And here's the thing, you guys. I, I believe that me and God were in a contract, that I, that I would follow him and he would make my life like really easy. And for some reason, I thought that like, t- to be honest, this girl thing just highlighted a lot of other pain in my life. I had, you know, I've always, I've struggled with relationship with my mom. It highlighted that. I was dealing with stuff. And so it brought up all this pain in my life and i just felt like god i've given my life to you i'm going to bible college for you you couldn't give me this thing and i say that to say that when pain enters our li- our, re- our life it will reveal if, if we believe that god owes us or if we believe um, that that god that like we that, that we love god and that actually we could he, he doesn't owe us anything but he's actually given us everything does that make sense so um, it's said like this, some people have said, the same sun that hardens mud softens snow. It's not the sun that changed, it's, it's the two things, right? And I would say when pain enters our life, that, that for some people, it softens them. It makes them like, like follow God even, even more deeply. It makes them like run to him and turn to him and um, want, want him in their life. Or when pain comes into their life, um, it hardens them towards God. I've seen pain do one or the other, soften people towards God and harden people towards God. And I find it really interesting that, have you ever noticed that villains and heroes usually have the same origin story? Villains and heroes usually have similar origin stories. It's just what they do with the pain that, that is the outcome of their life. So Spider-Man got bit by a spider. He could have like been like, I, I don't know, about that. but there's usually a pain and then they, they like help the world for good. Or there's a pain and they try to burn the world down. Does that make sense? Um, here we see that Job isn't immediately hardened because of pain in his life. Instead, he worships God. The other lesson I believe that we can learn from the book of Job is this. Your choice of friends matter in times of suffering. Um, I said that this first chapter really set the book up, and that's true. The rest, all the way up to 38, it's just Job and his friends talking. Um, And then God talks at the end. Job and his friends dialoguing about the pain. And um, 38 of the 42 chapters in Job are really just this conversation. And here's the thing, Job's friends, they got it right at first. Job was in pain. It says that they came for seven days. They were were grieving with him. They didn't even say anything. They were grieving with him. They said that they wore sackcloth and ashes, and they were just in his grief with him. How many of you guys know that when you're going through pain, just to have someone with you is like a game changer, right? That's what his friends did at first. But then they just talked and talked his ear off. And, And the crazy thing that you'll find if you read the book of Job is that his friends are actually usually theologically correct. They're saying right things about God, it's just not in the right way. What I mean by this is like, you go through something really painful in your life and someone says, hey, but God's good, am I right? (laughs) Theologically true and yet so very wrong. Does that make sense? This is what his friends do for most of the book of Job. And this shows us the truth that friends have the opportunity to make suffering better or worse, right? Friends have the opportunity to come alongside you in your suffering, to sit with you in it, to help you move through it, or they have the, there's the opportunity to make it worse. So may you, surround, one, surround yourself with the kinds of people who will be with you in the mountaintops and the valleys, and will you be the kind of friend that sits with people in the valleys? The other thing we learned from the book of Job is this. Um, our honest confession about pain and suffering don't offend God. Job doesn't always just say, he doesn't always just say, Bless, blessed be the Lord, right? There are moments in, in Job when he, when he says um, that he wishes he was never born. He says, let the day perish that I was even born. There's even moments in the book of Job where he says like, God, I'll take you to court and I will find you guilty. You'll be the evil one, right? He's like saying that to God. Um, and, there's this moment in the end of the book of Job when God finally speaks. Uh, he says this, after the Lord had said these things, he said to Job, or the, these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz and Temanite, these are Job's friends, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Yet we see Job not always speaking truth about God. So why does God say Job spoke truth about me? Here's what, I've been wrestling with this. This is what I came up with. Job said wrong things about God, but he said them to God. Does that make sense? Job was saying wrong things about God, but he was saying them to God. Pastor Andrew Damasio said it like this. Does, God does not mind your confession. He minds your direction. And so as we're going through hardship, what Job never did was just like talk Poorly about God to everyone else. He didn't say, like, God is ruining my life, God is doing this. You know what? I would take God to court. He took it to God. And I think it's worth noting that that taking our pain to God, processing it very honestly with him, letting him know our frustrations, our difficulties, it's a very valid thing to do. He actually knows the state of our heart. We don't have to pretend that we're cool with what's happening in our life. We can go to him and say, like, God, this seems messed up. It's messed up that this happened in my life, and it's messed up that this is happening. Um, God can do it. Tim Keller says this, God wants you to walk through your pain. God wants to walk with you through your pain, not sit with you, that leads to depression, not run with you, that leads to lack of growth, but walk with you through it. I believe that if we will walk through our pain with God, that we'll actually grow. Um, A.J. Swoboda said it like this, prayer is not where you escape a reality, it is where you go to face it. God does not mind your confession. He minds your direction. He actually wants to hear about the pain in your life. You've been wondering, like, why would God allow this in the life of Job? Why would God allow any pain or suffering in the the rest of our lives? And here's the answer. Um, God's goodness is beyond my definition of what's good. This is another lesson. And the answer to the question is this. We, we will never fully know why we experience pain in our lives. Um, like we, we may never, you know what's interesting about the book of Job is that God doesn't tell Job about this inside conversation that happens in heaven. He doesn't say, Job, you know what? Like I know you went through this pain, but, but me and Satan were talking about it. He wanted to prove your faithfulness and whatever. Job simply never knows. And we may never fully know um, why we experience pain in our lives either. Maybe the smartest thing that that Job's friends could have said to him is, Job, I don't know why you're going through this, but I'm here in it with you. Um the truth is, like the truth is that even if God told us why we went through pain, we may not ever accept it anyway, right? Even if he was like to say, Hey, I know you went through that really hard thing, let me spell it out for you. This is why you had to go through it. There's no saying that we would that we would be okay with his answer anyway. What we really need is an encounter with God. We don't need answers as much as we need the living God. Um, we don't need understanding as much as we need God himself. So I know this is like, maybe you're thinking like, yeah, but you don't know what I've gone through. And I, and I really, I haven't gone through as much pain as some people in the world, but I have gone through um, difficult things. My parents divorced. My, Difficulty, like I said, with my mom's relationship. There's been moments this past year when I've been like, I, you know, I married this awesome woman of God who has this beautiful family and her parents are amazing. And I've thought like, man, why did I grow into a family with, with manipulation and abuse and hardship? Um, and so I, just to say like, it can be hard to hear from someone like that there's no answers if you feel like they haven't gone through it. It's so not to unpack my laundry list, but like, but I've encountered deep pain in my life. I, I know what it's like to say like, God, where were you when this happened? Where were you when, when I encountered this hardship? Um, and, and at the end of Job chapter in, in 38, God, God flips the question on Job. Job kind of spent the, the whole book saying, God, where were you? And God flips the question on Job and he says, Job, where were you? He says, um, who, who is this? Hey, boys, I'm having a hard time concentrating. Um, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge, dressed for action like a man? I will question you and you make it known to me. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstones when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set the bars and the doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. And he just goes on. Um, He says like, um, for, for chapters, right? He says, uh, he says, can you lift up your voice to the clouds? A flood water may cover you. Can you send forth the lightnings so that they may go and say, here we are, right? He's saying like, did you, were you there at the beginning, the creation of the world? Did you create lightning and clouds and waves in the sea? And he just goes on, he says, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the doves? Can you number the months that they fulfill, right? He's just saying like, that he's God all knowing. And um, there's this quote by Evelyn Underhill, maybe you've heard it before, but it says, if God were small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. And so why do we encounter pain in our life? We may never know. And God doesn't answer Job, he just says like, I was there at the beginning of everything. Um, And I know this, that, that peace with God will lead to the peace of God. If you're going through pain and you're, you want peace in your life, peace with God will lead to the peace of God. If you feel like you don't have hope, God wants to offer you hope. Um, the fifth lesson that we learn from the book of Job is this, the greater the suffering, the greater, sorry, the greater the suffering, the greater the reward. Job 42 says this, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. So Job encountered a ton of pain and God restored his fortunes. He was was faithful to Job. I'm not saying that if you go through suffering in this life that God is going to uh, restore your fortunes or give you more money or anything like that. But I do think that there's a lesson in the story, which is that that God saw what Job was going through and he rewarded him for it. We have a a reward actually that's greater than anything physical. 2 Corinthians talks about it. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Part of what we're offered in 2 Corinthians is just a perspective on eternity. That we're given... when, once, we, once we enter heaven, once we're with God, like we're given an, an eternity of things made right, right? Right now, these, these momentary troubles that we're in are just going to be a blip on the map of eternity. And when Paul wrote this, when he penned it, he wasn't just saying this like from uh, a mansion. People were being persecuted for their faith, sod in half, right? These really big traumatic things. And yet he was able to say like, hey, there's something more. There's an eternal glory awaiting us. Um, there's there's this truth found in scripture that your pain produces a glory that will outlast um, the pain that you're in now, um, and I find this. I someone told me once like that pain um, that pain can be redeemed. What they meant by that is like when you go through something really hard, that God can redeem that and use it in the life of other people. Uh, I've always been like encouraged by the end of Genesis 50, 20. It says, you and, this is Joseph, a man who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Um, and he, he confronts his brothers at the end of Genesis. He was able to, because he was sold into slavery, he was able to do big things for God. And this is what he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So there's this cool thing that happens like Our suffering isn't just for suffering's sake. God can actually use it for the redemption of other people, which is eternal glory. If people are redeemed, if they're brought to Christ, if you're able to empathize with them um, and, and use your story to bring them to God, that's eternal glory. People entering heaven's gates because God was able to use your pain to interact with someone else's pain. John Piper has this to say. He says, and the point is not that the afflictions merely precede the glory. What he's saying is, it's not just that pain is before glory, um, it's that they help produce glory. There is, a real ca- ca- there is a real causal connection between how we endure hardship now and how much we'll be able to enjoy the glory of God in ages to come. Not one moment of patient pain is wasted. Um, and I already mentioned this, but, but pain produces something eternally glorious in our lives and in the lives of others. So I already mentioned the, the one that is in regards to others. That's the Genesis verse. But this James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces per- perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Somehow in our lives, pain becomes a training ground for, for holiness and godliness. Like, And so... I guess that I'm really wrapping this up, telling you that the reason we have, we don't always know why we have pain in this world, right? So I'll, I'm sorry if that feels like a cop-out, but it's the answer that the Bible gives us. We don't always get to know the answers, but we know that it can be a training ground for us. That, that it, and we know this to be true. How many of you guys think of some of your favorite people, some of your very favorite people, that you would say like, man, they're just a beautiful soul. Like, and you look at their story was it without pain? Chances are that the, some, of, like, the, some of the most incredible people that you know in your life were born out of, out of a difficult circumstance. I think the scripture backs that up. And so, um, may you this week, as we head out, as we head into small groups, as you go about your days, may you know that any pain that you've encountered in the past, any pain that you're going through now, or any pain that you may encounter, um, it's not God's will that you go through pain. It's not his desire, it's not his design. Um, but he can redeem it, he can use it. It it's, it's, doesn't have to be wasted. Um, there's, you know, like when, when you talk about people that survive tr- trauma, um, they say that those that, sur- that, that go through trauma and do well on the other side, the reason they're able to do well is because they're able to connect um, the, the pain that they went th- through to a purpose for good. Um, I've seen that in my own life. And so um, anyway, I know I can't uh, in one sermon touch on all the pain that you guys are experiencing in the world, but may you know that the God who cares for you is in it with you. He doesn't just leave you in your pain and that one day every single tear will be wiped away. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for, um, for healing in the lives of our students. Maybe there's pain they've gone through, where they, um, they just have lost trust in you. They've gone through pain, and so they, they've said, like, I just can't trust a God that would let me do that. God, I pray for um, healing in their relationship with you. God, I pray that you would show them, um, when they went through their pain, uh, where you were. I know it's, at times it feels like when we go through pain, we say, God, where were you? Um, God, you were somewhere, and so I pray that you'd show them where you were maybe right now, that you'd show them that you do care, that you don't leave them in their pain, that you actually love them, that you have a purpose for them, that you have, that you have um, a, a plan for them, a plan for good. And God, I pray that um, every person in this room would just be encounter your Holy Spirit and the healing um, power that comes with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would feel the comfort that comes from you and the peace that comes from you, the peace from knowing you. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.